Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. Yeah, we don't do it for the money. You were always broke. Just ask Clint what he paid a rope. Now he's lost a dozen wives. Half the fingers on his hands to the rope and pin. And it takes a little skill and a little luck. If you can talk smack, if you can back it up. Oh, but we're all friends. No matter who wins, down at the roping pen. Well, I ain't no play your speed. But I give your head. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Uh, super excited to have a guest on tonight, Jason Smith. Jason Smith is a cowboy that lives in texas and he is also an nfl football player which is super cool i have not had uh, an nfl player on the podcast before without any further ado jason welcome to the modern cowboy podcast hey dan thanks for having me and i'm so excited to be here with you tonight yeah well hey i appreciate you taking the time to come on and and you know just kind of share your story with us so I've just, I learned about you through, uh, I learned about you being a team roper and a cowboy through social media. I, you know, I had known about your football career and stuff. Give us an idea of how you got started in the cowboy lifestyle and, and how you got started in, in team roping and, and just where that all developed from. So the way I kind of would sum it up was say is God's timing and, and God putting the right people in my life at the right timing of my life. Um, so I grew up in Dallas, mm-hmm. inner city, kind of near the Lovefield area. And my grandmother originally was a trail rider. And she was a part of some riding clubs kind of in the 1970s, 80s, kind of in that era before I was born, actually. And when I was kind of around the teenage years, we started to go and spend time with our family that had horses. And it was something that we just kind of wanted to do. Well, time goes on we kind of end up at a place called the hog pen or the roping pen over in dallas uh kind of right around highway 20 and uh, highway 310 right there at the intersection mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we um you know kind of like every cow cowboy you start off pushing the cattle and picking up trash and you know kind of just being the runner boy mm-hmm. and as time got older around the age of 16 a good friend of mine that was a father figure to me bought me my first rope horse and I just kind of learned how to rope. And back then, we didn't have the hot hills or the hillabatics and things like that. So it was a, a you know, a, um, like a barbecue pit and a sawhorse you, you made. And every live cow cost you five bucks a run. So that's kind of how I got started. And when I went off to college, a friend, a friend I met kind of in passing allowed me to come and keep my horses there. And at his place in Waco, and I actually would rope on the weekends while I was in college. Uh, especially, uh, you know, we play on Sundays, and the, the jackpot would be on. I'm mean, excuse me, we play on Saturdays in college, and the jackpots would be uh, Sunday nights over in Hallsburg. So from there, uh, I met. Uh, I started spending time with Tony Brackens in Fairfield. I actually go back with another gentleman who was a father figure to me then and now. I call him actually my dad. He actually was into horses and roping, and he started allowing me to ride his horses, break his horses, come to the ranch out in Turl, uh, took me in as a son. Uh, and then from there, I went off to college. So it's kind of like a little pattern there. Mm-hmm. Went off to college. I met met up with Tony Brackens, and Tony Brackens was uh, friends with, which is now my father-in-law, Darren Stoner, kind of, you know, that, that song where that guy said he met the uh, the former's daughter. Right. <laughs> So I kind of, yeah. So I met the, the team roper's daughter, uh, and so now is my wife of ten years. But uh, so Darren Stoner took us in, took me in, excuse me, and um, started training me to be a horseman. 
this is now kind of going into my professional football career. And uh, I would come home and, and spend time working on horsemanship drills and learning how to, you know, the flexibility of a horse and the functions of a horse. And around the time I retired, I started, uh, we, built a, we built a facility at our ranch. And we started really, really focusing on training our barrel horse and team roping. So uh, the cultural life is definitely what allowed me to get out of the inner city hood, uh, I would say hood, mm-hmm. uh, living style. And that mentality of uh, inner city and allowed me to adapt to the country living and country way of life. So I'm very thankful that that's the path that God allowed me to take. Yeah, that's very interesting. And now, so you you started out team roping and stuff. Obviously, you were like 16, I think you said. Were you playing? Were you playing football in high school at that time? And did you have a big interest in football? Yes, I did. So I was playing football. Um, and when you're you know, when you're an inner city kid, everybody plays football. And if you don't play football or, you know, you're kind of the outcast. Right. So well, we played it, but I was still the outcast because now all of a sudden I'm I'm a horseback rider or we're wearing tight jeans or wearing boots to school. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a, you know, you kind of have to make that decision who you're going to be right. uh, for me. And that was like uh, the path that, I really wanted to go down. Uh, I met a, I met a friend while I was in high school, who's actually still my best friend to this day, named Michael Hurd. And he and his wife, uh, Whitney Wolf, you may know her as, but Whitney Wolf Hurd. They, um, she's the the founder of Bumble, and the dating app. Okay. And yeah, so he's he's big time into it as well. And so kind of right there at the end of my my high school career. He and I became just best friends because we both had the same interest with horses. Mm-hmm. And then come to find out, you know, they had a big, huge ranch out in um out in a town called Bird, Texas, West Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, he went, I went out there with him one time, and and just saw, you know, the horses and the the, the land and the the I would say kind of the the peace of mind of being in that ranching lifestyle you know they really had a big just operation right <laughs> and um you know you kind of have your chance of making a choice in life this is kind of i'm gonna say this is before i was saved or, or was introduced to jesus christ mm-hmm. this was more or less like do you want to continue to be inner city and look over your shoulders and you know just kind of go day by day at life or do you want to wake up at a ranch and have goals and aspirations and desires of you know greater things i would say Mm -hmm. so that those are some turning points that kind of helped define who i was going to be and then the gentleman glenn that's my dad today he he was always trying to provide me with a better horse you know a a greater outlook and and it's kind of a big story it's a lot of people that helped mold me to get me to wanting to be a rancher or an agricultural person or a team roper that would really just provide me whatever I was wanting to do because I didn't have no hidden agenda or no maliciousness towards their operation or their house or their home. I wasn't trying to steal their stuff. I was just trying to be there and scoop the poop. And if I could ride your horse, you know, that'd be great. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of, <laughs> you know, you kind of think about it. Um, the the funny thing about it is now you kind of got me talking about it it's kind of still who I am today like my my wife's am I talking too much no not at all go ahead okay all right okay I don't make sure that's what you're after yeah <laughs> you got you got me thinking a lot now so I'm kind of like going down that lane good well that's good but my so my wife's dad you know Darren Stoner mm-hmm. he is the creator founder of the perfect bit and so the perfect bit started by him being a horse trainer and you know the the big time horse that he's ever trained was a horse that my wife's uncle rode called megazord which was the head horse of the year so my father-in-law started that horse Mm -hmm. so my wife's uncle is t woman okay 
Right. And so then I was always everybody, you know, if you were, if you knew anything about roping, you were a fan of speed and rich, speed and rich, speed and rich, you know. So around the same time, I actually came home from football and I met my wife's uncle, T, the woman. Mm-hmm. I also meet Steve Williams. So I'm kind of like living the dream all of a sudden. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember the day I got out the truck and I met Speed at the U.S. Roping in uh, Waco. I was like, oh, my God, you're Speed Williams. Oh, that's it. <laughs> and they were like, they were laughing at me. Oh, my God. And, uh, you know, I just was like, hey, this is LeBron James. This is Michael Jordan. This is Speed Williams. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's a, those were some just moments that I just kind of, you know, really, really remember that were like the kid from the, you know, inner city is sitting here wanting to be a team roper, wanting to be agriculture life. And then you see some of the, you know, I have the opportunity to, you know, I came home one year in my off season. Uh, right. It was like the first year that T had retired from PRCA mm-hmm. and he was doing uh, CPRAs and things like that. And he was working with some younger kids and uh, he's working with like uh, the Brayman kid, uh, dry stoner, uh, Ty Orno. And so uh, he, he was working with my, with my, my brother-in-law, and so I called myself the driver. And so I was driving them the rodeos and cleaning the stalls and saddling horses, just learning that that you know professionalism right. at actually being a rancher and a roper, also. Right. Yeah. So um, you know, I just kind of got those little stories like that. You know, the time I went to Chad Masters' house and he let me ride. It was the year he won the world with Jay Corkill. Right. They had just won it and came home. And, like, football season was over, just kind of getting over, like, the next week or two. And I came to his house to watch him practice, and he let me make a run on his horse. He just won the world on. <laughs> you know, you're kind of like, wow, I'm riding the horse that Chad Masters just won the world on. You know, just like those little moments, you know. Uh, Pete Woodman let me ride his horse, Calvin, black horse, that was absolutely fast. Woo! Um I roped at a horse show one time in Fort Worth and I was walking in the stands and Trevor Brazil was there and he said, Hey, good run. And I'm like, they're like the little kid. that's like, Oh my God, Trevor Brazil just told me good run. (laughs) I mean, you just got those moments that have happened to me uh, where those guys are just a team roper and they're just, they're living their life. But, to me, you know, they're I'm a fan right. of the sport. I'm a fan of those right. So, you know, I just it's just kind of those those are the things that are hard to explain about being a rancher or a team roper, right. but they're precious moments to me. Yeah. yeah. That that's amazing. And now so the whole time you're playing football, you does do any of your coaches ever are they ever concerned that you're like roping and, and riding horses and stuff outside of uh you know, playing football, particularly when you're in, in the NFL? Well, <laughs> well, here's what happened. <laughs> During the season, you know, you're football 100%. You know, you're football, football, football. You're football, football, football. You really don't have time for anything else. Right. You barely have time to take your wife to the movies, you know, on Friday night. Right. So um, I remember this was probably my second year. And see, when I would come home in the off season, I would ride, but I would more or less trail ride. I wouldn't go. I always, I knew the, you know, kind of like I say the name of the game was you don't go nowhere and go enter a U.S. roping and you don't go to a World Series roping. You know, you kind of just stay at your house and ride and rope your machine and, and be safe. Right. And it wasn't really an issue. I mean, you, you, it's no different than uh, somebody riding a jet ski or driving a car. If you're gonna, have, if you're gonna have an accident, you're gonna have an accident. Right. Um, and I, I knew what horse to ride, what horse not to ride. I knew which one was going to probably, you know, spook at everything, and which one was just kind of old and and wanted to walk around. Right. Um, but one day, general manager Billy Devaney walked up to me and said, "Hey, so you have a ranch?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> I was stretching. I was, it was like in practice. I was stretching. Right. Something. Right. <laughs> he said, uh, is this going to distract us? I'm like, no. I said, it's just somebody doing off season. He said, okay. Okay. And he walked off. And that was it. Well, like 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah. Like 20 or 30 minutes later, the head coach walked up to me like, Hey, so what's on your ranch? Like cows or horses? I'm like, horses. 
<laughs> he said, uh, we're going to have an issue with you and the horses. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> They're like, uh, you, are they here? I'm like, coach, coach, horses are back home. I said, the horses are home. I said, ride them in the off season. He said, oh, okay, 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 okay. He said, I thought it was something like you're doing like right now. I'm like, coach, coach, come on. So it's kind of, he's like, okay, well, we're good then. He walked off. That was kind of the end of it. You know, I never heard nothing else about me riding horses, but, you know, they knew I rode horses or had horses, but, right. you know, I wasn't much else said about it. Right. So did being a player, I mean, uh, although it takes practice and training and everything that goes into it, did football just come naturally to you, the, the sport itself? No, it was a learned behavior, <laughs> more or less. Uh, there was a lot of hours behind the scenes put into football mm-hmm. in order for me to be successful, I would say, or either, even become athletic or have a knowledge of the game mm-hmm. or have a – you know, have an ability to play because I, I, I was, I really wasn't that good. I just played hard. I would play hard and it would cover up some of my flaws, I would say. And what is kind of like CrossFit now, mm-hmm. like CrossFit is not really any sport. It's just all sports combined. Right. So I started cross training my weaknesses. If I had slow feet, I started watching what soccer players would do. If I was slow, I would start watching what track people would do and work on it. If I was not explosive, I'd look at what powerlifters were doing. Right. Um, if I was uncoordinated, I actually watched uh, – I studied the uh, – you know, nobody really knows it this in depth, but, you know, those the, the, the swimming pool dancers? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually would study them and get in the pool and try to work on – acrobatics like what was it acrobatics i guess acrobatic dancing right yeah it's kind of a weird deal if you're watching me when i used to do it but i never really told nobody what i was doing right but <laughs> that's how i had on my work on my balance and my coordination and so i just kind of worked at the problems that i was having and eventually one day was able to translate it to the field and i was able to be one of the top players in the nation yeah that's great so yep. it was kind of a blitz it was, a, it was definitely a, a pattern and a path that God took me down. It wasn't something that I just drummed up myself. Right. And then, so, and how many years did you play in the NFL? I played four seasons, five years. Uh, my fifth year, I tried out with the Saints, didn't make the team. I went to the, I went to the Jets, back of the Jets, and didn't make the team. And I went to San Francisco. And we had some clerical issues with the contract and um, due, due to the history that I have with concussions and they did not sign. They signed me, but the NFLPA would not allow me to sign the agreement. And so therefore they released me. Um, from there, I went to the Houston Texans and tried out and the Washington Redskins. And I kind of was like, uh, Hey, uh, one, one more New York giants. And I was kind of like, Hey, uh, doesn't look like anybody want me. <laughs> yeah. So, so then was it was it pretty much because of your concussion history that? Uh... Yes, sir. Oh. Yeah, that's kind of what happened. They, um, the first year I played football, I had a situation where I would cut a guy and went, had a helmet to knee and got got my first concussion. And then from there, I had a second one the next year. My third one, I had the same same head, same spot, same problem. Mm-hmm. Um. And then my fourth year, um, I was we got new coaching staff, and you know, just kind of no different than being a horse. If a horse is, if you got a horse that's always ended up hurt, right? You know, you're probably looking for a way to get rid of them. So, <laughs> right. And in in the yeah NFL, you're just a horse anyway. Right. I mean, they're, although they're people, the way the business mind looks at it is the same way that Trevor Brazil is looking at his horses. You know, which horse is going to get me to the NFR? Right. And which horse? Which four or five horses am I going to be able to keep? You know, I will always work some out and try some to see which one's a good one. But besides that, here's what's in my barn and here's what I'm going to use. Right. Absolutely. And, um, so, yeah, when I was the horse that didn't make the cut, you know, it just it traded me off to somebody else. And I spent the year at the Jets, and it was uh, it was life-changing for me. Uh, I got a chance to be around David DeGugliamo, mm-hmm. uh, offensive line coach. They call him the Googe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I studied under DeBrickishaw Ferguson for a whole year and just learn new concepts about the game and about life as a football player while we were in New York at the Jets. Um, 
it was real good for my wife and I because we were kind of way off in La La Land by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't really know anybody. We got a chance to become better with each other as, as a husband and wife, dependent on each other. Um, we found out that Mr. Johnson, the the owner, he had um, he had horses, so we would go out to his barn and and look at horses and sniff the smell, you know, kind of get the horse fix, you know? Yeah, you bet. <laughs> but, yeah, but, uh, you know, for the most part, that's just, that was, it was a good time. I mean, I, I enjoyed football. It was, it was really wonderful. And now are you, and are you involved in football anyway now? You do any coaching at high schools or anything like that? Or if I'm asked to come and help, I will help. But as far as me being a coach, I'm not, I have not been asked to come and help. So yeah. therefore, uh, there was a camp that asked me to help this summer up in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, the Epic Camp, I believe it is, is for athletes and horsemen, actually. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Uh, da, 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 I don't know. Her name was Shelly Weaver. There's a big organization called, uh, I guess it used to be called like Athletes for Christ or uh-huh. Rodeo for Christ or it was something like that. And um, they had a camp this summer and they asked me to come up and help out. And it was actually a blast. I enjoyed it. Um, working with the offensive linemen. Uh, what else did I do this summer? I guess that was it. Maybe there's one other camp somewhere. I think that was it. That was it. Now, now you, you're, um, tell us uh, how big you are. Cause you're a big guy. How tall are you? I'm a big guy. I'm a uh, six foot five. I'm still floating around 300 pounds though. I was, Supposed to lose weight when I got done playing football. I lost a little bit, and I kind of just keep it on. Actually, I'm I'm actually acknowledging God about how to lose the weight and still be healthy right now. So it's a it's a it's an immediate concern of mine that I want to get down to probably a, a, li- a lighter weight. I would just say it like that. <laughs> so it, and so I I read I think that at one time you recorded the eleventh uh, fastest uh, forty. Is that, is that you still have that record or wow i didn't know that yeah well so i mean there's been some fast guys now i'm i was i was uh i was not that fast but i was fast i would say yeah because i i I was uh i think i read it said you 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 ran like a a five five uh, nine or something like that in the 40 Five oh five oh nine. Yeah, five oh nine. Yeah. Which is pretty much a four nine. Right. I just kinda if I would have farted maybe right. <laughs> I, I would have probably pushed myself through around a four nine. <laughs> <laughs> and it also it says that you um uh had uh, the the fourth uh tied for fourth for the most number of uh repetitions in the bench. Uh I, I it didn't say how much weight that was though. Was that like what was that, like two twenty five or something yeah. like that? Well, yeah, the combine you bench press uh, two twenty five. Uh-huh. Um, so what happened was the year before, Jake Long did uh, thirty seven. Okay. So I had this mentality that in order to be the best, you have to first put up the same numbers that the best did. Right. So at Baylor in the weight room, we did a we did a, a you know a mock test, and I got thirty seven. He got 37, and I got 37 and a half. I almost got the 38th one up, right? <laughs> so we go off to Arizona. We train for it, and I never could get back up that many. I don't know what the deal was. I just couldn't. Right. And so I just knew when I got to the combines, we'd get it right. So I got to number 19. I was rolling fast. Bam, 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 bam. I got to number 19, and my chest said, Boo! and I was like, ah. <laughs> And I was like, I remember I was like, this is for the money. You know, I kind of moved my hands in and just kept going. I got to 33. But I had a uh, tweak my pec in my right chest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I, and 33 is a, a respectable number. I mean, I just, you know, just dealt with it. But I think I, it, was, it was a blessing to God. I, obviously, I wanted more, but I guess I had the wrong intentions in mind. Yeah. That's crazy. Today's episode is sponsored by Modern Cowboy Performance Nutrition, the brand built on grit, determination, and perseverance. Modern Cowboy products are designed to increase stamina and strength, build lean muscle mass, and promote healing and pain relief. For more information and to order products, visit our website, moderncowboy.global, 
and use our podcast listener special code MODERNCOWBOY15 at checkout for 15% off all of our products and apparel. Crazy. So, so now, so you, you, you get out of football and then you, you had your ranch already. So did you, now do you, you, you do you guys train and sell rope horses or do you, do you have clinics there or what all do you do on your place? We've done a combination of a lot of things. Um, first of all, let's talk about our, I guess it's a chance I can uh, uh, do some salesman stuff. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a, a, uh, a nonprofit organization called Smith with Brackings. It's SWB.com, right? So that's myself and Tony Brackings. Uh, he played, uh, he, uh, his resume is eight years at the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's uh, He played at UT. He was an All-American. He still has the sack records, I believe, at Jacksonville. So us two, we are actually neighbors. We live literally across the pasture. No kidding. So he's the reason I ended up in Fairfield to get a bit of glory. Um, and he and I, uh, you know, there's certain people that call partnerships partnerships, but he and I have a strong relationship that's a partnership. So what we've done is my family and his family, we focused on how we can work together with our ranches. Mm-hmm. So starting kind of with our, our, our nonprofit organization, we then say we want to be accessible to any kid that wants to come and ride a horse, first of all. Mm-hmm. Any kid that wants to ride a horse, any kid that wants to learn about a horse, any kid that wants to come and learn anything about agricultural uh, and and mental development, career development, social development, uh, socioeconomic status development, we try to work for anybody that wants us, that wants to, uh, to, to learn anything we know mm-hmm. because obviously – in ranching or in horsing or even with money, we've learned some things good and bad uh, with people, with social social status, uh, obviously our relationship with Christ and God. So uh, we, we, we go to church, we attend church and church is inside of us. We don't just go to the building. So yeah, our character matters, our, our, us living in the spirit matters, uh, the character of Christ. So that's who we are. Right. So from there, we, a uh, long time ago, my wife and I, with my father-in-law, my father-in-law asked me, what kind of horses do you want to raise? Now, my dad, if I asked my dad, he said, do not buy a horse. Buy cows. I said, I don't want cows. I want horses. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when we, got, when we got the horses, I said, well, I think that I want a horse that, uh, I really want to raise rope horses. Right. I said, because... So I feel like we can go buy those. He said, I agree 100%. He said, what do you think about raising barrel horses? I said, well, so I had some knowledge of barrel horses because my cousin was really was a barrel racer. I said, well, they're more expensive. I said, we can really kind of figure out how to do it, go about it. I said, let's do it. He said, okay, perfect. He said, because we can always take a barrel horse and rope on it. I said, well, good, let's do it. So we studied, we studied genetics. We started taking our time and we reached out to Bill Myers. Uh, with the Frenchman's guy, mm-hmm. and we tried to buy Frenchman's guy from him. He may not, he may not really openly talk about the meeting that we had. Uh, we met with him in St. Louis. He flew in. Uh, Blake Russell from Viagen flew in. Uh, my father-in-law, my pastor was there. Uh, David Ransom, my pastor Ransom was there, and um, we all met in 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 um in uh we met in uh, St. Louis while I was playing for the Rams. And we told him we wanted to buy his horse because my father-in-law felt that if you're going to have a program, you should buy the number one stud out there. So we tried to buy Frenchman's guy. And when he said, he said yes at first, and he said no. He's he like, oh, let me think about it. He's like, ah, oh, well, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're talking seven figures for a horse. And um, this, that was kind of that meeting that went down. Right. Well, so when he finally decided not to sell after we talked to him and them for a little while, he said we talked to him about cloning the horse, and we ended up cloning three clones from that meeting. He paid for it all, but that kind of that's kind of that meeting that we all had. Man, that's uh, interesting. So from there, yeah, it was real. Yeah, this, so this is how this is how I started was starting in the horse business. Right, I already had a, a rope horse or two. 
And so when he, when we kind of come out of that meeting, we cloned with Viagin three of his horses with him. Well, excuse me, he cloned them. We gave him the idea because if he didn't sell us the horse, we wanted him to sell us the cloning rights where we can clone Frenchman's guy and be able to rope on him and breed our mares to him. Mm-hmm. Because we felt like they were going to uh, uh, legalize uh, cloning of uh, the registration of them with the AQHA, but they did not. All right. So we go off and we then say, well, Mr. Bill, can you help us develop our program with our mares of what we should have to breed to Frenchman's guy? And he said, sure. Here are the mares that I would get if I could start all over right now. So we went out and focused on those mares. We found an own daughter of Dash for Cash, an own daughter of First Down Dash, an own daughter of uh, Mr. Jess Perry, an own daughter of uh, the Corona Cartel, an own daughter of Mr. I Opener at the time, an own daughter of Ivory James, and we bred them. Dash to Fame, excuse me, we found an own daughter of Dash to Fame and an own daughter of Frenchman's Guy. We bred the Frenchman's Guy daughter to Dash to Fame, we bred all the other ones to Frenchman's Guy. That's how we started day one. And so we went to the number one sire and the number two sire. And then we bred them, got babies, and we were selling them to uh, to Brazil, actually, hmm. because the mares qualified with that stud. Yeah, so we were kind of selling to Brazil, and nobody really knew we existed. And then uh, Felicia Taylor comes along. Uh, been, you may know her as Felicia Otis. She came along uh, and was like, hey, I want that horse. And we're like, yeah. So should we start selling her horses, private treaty? And they were kind of breeding for people, uh, private treaty. We'll breed one of the horses they wanted us to breed with our mares to that other stud. And then we, so we, uh, then we started, had the idea with our, my brother-in-law, Dreiss, who was a world-class, now he's a world-class coach starter. But we believed that he could start horses real good. So we just needed to prove it to ourselves and him. So we took a horse, we took three horses actually to the Texas best sale in Waco. And you know our, our highest horse that year brought twenty five thousand, mm-hmm. which was a uh, an owned daughter Frenchman's guy out of a Corona Cartel mare. So the next year we go back to that sale, same horse, same same genetics, same rider, and we want to see how much we can make that one bring. And it brought forty thousand, and we topped the sale. We had one bring forty, one bring thirty, one bring twenty five, I believe. So we topped the sale that year, and then the next year. We topped the sale again on a different horse. So we topped the sale in Waco, and then we stopped going. At the same time we're doing that, we, in 2014, which was my first year out of the NFL, Uh we had the idea of NRS. So I did a lot of research on NRS, and I sent some people up there while I was still playing football to gather a bunch of data, take pictures, and really uh, spy out, I would say. Mm-hmm. We spied out on them. We spied out on some cutting shows, and we spied out on a bunch of barrel racers. And we gathered a bunch of data and presented it, and I had the idea that I wanted to become a producer. So, uh, I mean, you got time for all this? Ah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right, let's make sure. So I had the idea that I wanted to be a producer. So in order for me to be a producer, I had to come up with how we're going to do it. So what we did was we partnered with Randy Bloomer, Bloomer Trailers, Mm -hmm. and we did a barrel race that was kind of – we did a big, big 5D barrel race at our facility. We hired a bunch of people. We got the city of Fairfield. They gave us $50,000 to do this race, to do these races. Actually, it'll be two races. Uh, we got Bloomer to be like a title sponsor, but he didn't have to put up any money, just his name, because you need instant credibility. Mm-hmm. So we had instant credibility. This was the first year of the American. We had Charmaine James come into a clinic at our facility, absolutely free. She charged everybody. We didn't charge her, charge her anything to come do it. We wanted to partner with her in our program. We actually were looking for, looking for her to endorse us with Andrea Klein. Uh, we did not get that, but we got her a relationship with her, which was positive and negative. So we had some new experiences for that. So we go on and did our big barrel race, had 700 entries. Come, and they all ran one day. We ran 50, I believe, an hour. Man. <laughs> I was, yep. We were the producers. We produced the whole thing. We had no, I mean, you're going to have problems, but, you know, we were able to work through all situations. We had a very big, successful barrel race. It gave away a lot of money, a lot of saddles. And then we did the same thing the next weekend. <laughs> we 
We did it two weekends in a row. Man. And what we did was we focused on our database and relationships. We made a lot of friends. We made some enemies. We got their names, phone numbers, email address. And we stored it all the way to like right now, kind of right now. And, and we keep in contact. We've, we go, we've started going to shows after that, supporting other people's shows, helping other people's shows. Uh, we met Steve Thorne, the Dirt Guys, Jim Brown, Texan. And we were able to collaborate with a lot of people and kind of be welcomed into the industry real fast as a barrel racing producer and as a barrel racing facility. So then we took that momentum and that's when we went to those sales and top the sale those years also. Right. So we have some good things going for us because a lot of people, and I heard you mention earlier about, you know, the kind of the industry being clickish, you know, the, the, the industry is real clickish. Right. Uh, you know, and so I don't think it's clickish. I think it's just friends that are collaborating together and kind of like-minded individuals focusing on the same goal. Right. And, you know, I learned this about Trevor Brazil. I'm just using him as an example. Uh, I met him in the bathroom. Well, I met him at that um, at that horse show, and he told me that he said come by sometime. And I'm I'm kind of a they they would call me like a groupie, right? To all the team members, right? Because I would like, hey, let me see whose number phone number I can get. You know, right. like I have Clay Trine's phone number, but never called him. Right. <laughs> I just want to see if he'll give back. I just want to see if he'll give me his phone number. You know, well, I was kind of one of those kind of guys. Right. <laughs> so, so I got Trevor Brazil's phone number, but I never called him. And so one day we were at the U.S. Finals, and he was in the bathroom. I was in the bathroom, and he's like, "Man, come by sometime." I said, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah." I said, "Okay." You know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it was like, so I texted him and said, "Hey, Trevor, can I come to your house?" I said, "I won't record anything. I said I want to watch you practice." I said, I'll come work, I'll rake the box, I'll push up cattle, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I won't record anything. I won't ask you any questions. I won't even talk to you. You won't even know I'm there. <laughs> he was like, well, come on. So he told me what day to come. I came. And it was, you learn from the, you watch the best one day. If you're really paying attention, it'll change everything about you. And the reason why I'm saying it is because like the beauty and everything we did with our productions and with our shows and with our facility and our program, you know, you still got to pay attention to what the best are doing. Right. Long story short, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. hope that makes sense. Absolutely. So I know that's long, but that's just kind of, you know, if you really want to know the path, I mean, that's kind of it. It was all a lot of hard work, aspirations, I mean, a lot of, a lot of thoughts, a lot of prayer a lot of seeking the Lord about what to do, how to do. Right. And when we did it, we didn't look back. And so now from that standpoint, now our brand is known in industry for breeding and, uh, our, uh, and training. And, uh, my brother-in-law then got married to a young lady named Colleen, who was a, uh, she was an English rider. She did the, the, you know, cross country and the jumping and things like that. She right. didn't even do Western. Right. They got they got married and he made her his jockey and taught her how to be a jockey and she had a very very good rookie year right now forty two thousand on on a dash to fame coat we bred we bred it raised it mm-hmm. um, and now we have a bunch of studs that she did that uh, exceptionally well on as well we recently purchased a stud called Repeat Offender from our good friend Danielle Campbell who's like a sister to us she's a two time or three maybe three time three-time NFR qualifier that trusted us to have a stud out of her mare. Um, so now we're kind of in the breeding business. Um, obviously, our facility, I, if I'm going to do any marketing, <laughs> our website is www.twinlakesarena.com, where we have all of our studs on there. Um, and we're this is our first year that we are breeding our studs to the public. So Very cool. That's kind of what we're doing now. Yeah, it's a it's a big story. A lot of people are involved. A lot of people play their role in our life, our lives of being successful and helping us by positive and negative experiences. We've had some, we've had both. Yeah. So now, do you are you you get a lot of time to rope now? Do you rope every day, or are you, you know what? Are you training horses or? So, we um we all had a dream that 
when I got done with football, I would rope every day. Right. And that lasted probably six months of roping the dummy every day <laughs> and maybe riding a little bit, uh, roping the machines and things like that. Um, right. I, I'm going to word it like this, okay? Uh-huh. I, I've been fortunate, to God be the glory, to have a rope hog machine, a uh, I'm gonna say a brand spanking new, relatively new Hot Heels, mm-hmm. and horses that are ready to go, and I just don't make time. <laughs> I don't make time because I'm tied up. Now I have a beautiful son that's four years old and a beautiful daughter that's one years old. Right. They're in school. Uh, my wife is really, 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 really beautiful, and I just really like to be around her <laughs> and. So, uh, and then our barrel racing rig is going up and down the road. So, but now, well, now my sister-in-law is pregnant now, so she's not really going up and down the road no more. Um, we have a small trucking company that has a lot of my attention. So. You're busy. Uh, yeah, I'm very busy. So I would say that if I made time, I would spend more time doing it. Right. I think that is just not my season of life right now. Right. You got plenty. You got plenty. Of, plenty of time in the future to do it too. Yeah, and I, I like to go to the arena and watch right. uh, my brother-in-law. Who he's doing a lot of the training and and getting those barrel horses going. And uh, you know, I just it's just not for me right now. Yeah. So when you got when in God's timing, uh, I get to go watch at the uh the shows, you know, the the U the, I didn't go to the US finals, but you have, you know, you have Vegas coming yeah. up and yeah. you just watch watch the stuff on T V and like I said, I'm a fan of it. I'm a student of it. Uh I used to like to study the videos a lot, Speed Williams video. Right. Uh, but yeah, I just try to I try to really stay on stay keep my feet on the ground and just watch. Yes, sir. Very cool. So hey, we're getting kind of close to the end of the time here, uh, Jason. What's uh? Do you have a favorite uh, cowboy hat brand or favorite hat brand you like? So there's a girl named Casey Riggs that worked for. She used to work for Resist All. Here's how I picked out my hat. I said I want the same hat that Trevor Brazil wears. <laughs> <laughs> you are you are a big big fa- uh, fanboy, huh? <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. I texted her and said, "Can I?" I texted a picture of Trevor Brazil and said, "Can I get this hat?" And she said, "Oh, is this all black?" I said, "Nope, the same hat Trevor Brazil wears." <laughs> <laughs> yep, I texted my size. I want that hat. <laughs> Very. I said, "I want a shape just like that." <laughs> and did you get it? Yeah, I got it. Very cool. Hey, what, what's yeah. that? What's well, then I end up, I end up, I end up cutting the brim a little bit, making it a little smaller brim. Yeah. What size? What size hat do you wear anyway? It being six five and three hundred pounds. I think a seven and a half. Oh yeah. Okay. I think seven. Yeah, my head's not that big. Yeah. What What about boots? You got a favorite boot brand? I have to wear. Now, obviously, when you are fortunate. And and you have you know a little uh, I would say a little money mm-hmm. to spend at the time of my life at that time of my life I'm not saying I do now, but back then right I pretty much bought and tried every boot there was right and the one boot that feels the best is the elephant skin Rio Mercedes okay yeah and I buy them from the old guy named Davis Boots he used to be at the U S Finals every year. And so if I, 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 I'm probably on my third pair now, the first pair, I kept getting them refixed, refixed, refixed. The second pair I finally bought, uh, no, I told my second pair. Now the first pair lasted that long. Uh-huh. And this, this pair I have right now is getting kind of where they lean a little bit. Yeah. And so, um, I'll probably reach out to them and ask them for another pair, but I got buy the same boot from the same guy and they're, man, they're awesome. Yeah. 13 double E, I believe. Well, no, 13 double D. No, 13. I don't know. 13 something. Yeah. Very cool. How about cowboy movies? You got a favorite cowboy movie or? My favorite cowboy movie is. It was eight seconds growing up. Yeah. And then 
my uh, I was always a Clint Eastwood fan. Also, yeah. Uh, uh, Josie Wells. Jo- so Josie Wells, my favorite movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a great yeah. movie. Josie Wells. Yeah. No doubt. Well, hey, Jason, I really appreciate you taking the time and and sharing your story with the uh, with us. And if you want to give just give their your your social media and, and website stuff again, where people can get a hold of you and follow you and check out you know your program and all the things you have going. Perfect. So our ranch is called Twin Lakes Ranch. So that's TwinLakesArena.com. And our ranch actually has two lakes on it. So that's why it's called Twin Lakes. But it's TwinLakesArena.com. Okay. And it's the same on Facebook, TwinLakesArena.com. Uh, and then our nonprofit uh, agricultural is called SWB.com. So that's SmithWitBrackens.com. And so um, that's who we are. That's where we can be found. And um, we make sure that we are upholding the principles and the teachings of Jesus Christ. So therefore, if a parent wants to bring their kid around us, Mm -hmm. we believe that we can do all things through Christ that strengthening us to where we can have the right character and conduct to be able to train our children, help their children, and be able to help develop children as well uh, in agricultural or just in their lives. So we are open to the, the people that want to be helped, you know, that way. And they're more than welcome to reach out to us. I think uh, my cell phone number is probably on there. <laughs> uh, I only got one cell phone and people call it all the time. So if I have we can help. Uh, and then we're in Fairfield, Texas. So if any rodeo people are listening to this, we have some extra stalls that they passing through and need to plug in or, or stay at night, just give us a call. Um, my claim of fame with that is one night, Sherry Survey texted me. <laughs> I told her, I, I told her, like, hey, come, whatever you need, come, 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 you all right? And one night she, she, no, she called me and I was laying in bed, didn't get the call and I woke, I rolled over to something, I saw it. I was like, hey, Sherry, I'm sorry. I texted, sorry, I missed you. She was like, nope, sorry, I'll be Buffalo now. I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, next time the gate code is in, just pull in. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, I almost, I almost, almost had Sherry service spend the night. Yeah. Almost one night. She's almost spent the night with the horses in the barn. Oh, so cool. But uh, yeah, we're 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 here for everybody that we can be that are passing this way. We understand. So beautiful. Well, hey, Jason, uh, again, I appreciate it, man, and um, look forward to seeing, uh, you know, everything you guys got uh, developing and, and down the road here, and uh, look forward to, to meeting you in person here one of these days. To God be the Lord. God bless you, and thank you for the opportunity to be on your show. And um, just, you know, we have a saying that better is not good enough, but the best is yet to come. So God bless you, and have a good night. Amen. Hey, well, that's all for tonight. I want to thank everybody for listening to the uh, to the podcast, and we'll uh, see you on the next episode. Hey, I want to thank all of our listeners and sponsors of the show. Without you, the show would not be possible. We so appreciate the reviews and ratings, which increases awareness in our effort to grow the fan base of the cowboy, rodeo, and Western lifestyle culture. If you are new to the show or have been a listener for a while and have just not had the opportunity to rate and review the podcast, it's really simple. Just trot your pony over to the iTunes Apple Podcast. Click on the show, scroll down to rate and review, and give us a five-spur rating. The podcast is available on Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher, as well as many other platforms where you listen to podcasts. Just type Modern Cowboy Podcast into the search bar to subscribe, listen, rate, and review. And if you are interested in being a sponsor of the show to showcase your business, DM us on Instagram at Modern Cowboy Podcast or message us on our website, www.moderncowboypodcast.com. Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Every Friday afternoon, I hitch up the trailer. Saddle up old rock and ice down a cooler. I drive that old back road until it ends at the rope and pin. We got them rusted out pickups and fancy rigs $20,000 horses, then there's my own stick Although we're all the same The minute we ride in to the roping pen 
never can tell Someday I just might be We'll turn a few steers And we'll tell a few lies Kick back in the saddle And philosophize Most of life's problems Yeah, we're gonna solve them Down at the roping pen Yeah, we don't do it for the money You were always broke Just ask Clint what he paid a rope Now he's lost a dozen wives Half the fingers on his hands To the rope and pain And it takes a little skill And a little luck If you can talk smack If you can back it up Oh, but we're all friends no matter who wins, down at the rope and Down at the Roman Pen Down